Hi, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. I'm Julie Homrich, licensed clinical therapist and certified professional counselor supervisor. Usually I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Chuck Allen. And together, we co-host the Positive Talk Podcast. The goal of Positive Talk Podcast is to integrate faith and psychology so we can all move toward our best possible life together. So thanks for joining us today. And as always, you picked a great day to listen in. Now, last week, I gave an introduction about boundaries, specifically surrounding the holiday season and family gatherings. I talked about some underlying belief systems that lead us to have difficulty setting boundaries, why no is a complete sentence, and how we can't rationalize the irrational behavior of others. Now, this week, I want to take things a step further and give you some practical examples of one, when you know your boundary is being crossed, how to identify that, two, what to do when that happens, and three, how to enforce boundaries you've set when someone tries to disregard them, because they will try. So let's jump in. For some of us, we know we need boundaries and we want to set them, but at times we don't realize that they've been crossed until after the fact. We leave gatherings feeling trampled on or emotionally used. So let's talk proactively today about some indicators you can look for to identify a boundary is about to be crossed. Number one, you feel like you have to armor up before meeting with someone. This could be for a number of reasons, but usually when someone respects our boundaries, we feel free in our interactions with them. We trust that they can be flexible with our needs and we can do the same. We don't feel like we're walking on eggshells, fearing the moment that we have to set a boundary or suppressing our needs for long periods of time only to explode at them later. If you have a relationship where you feel like you're constantly armoring up, it may be time to explore what particular boundary or boundaries you haven't yet set with them or what boundaries you have set that they keep crossing. Whether it's they won't stop bringing up my parenting style or I don't need to hear comments about my finances, identifying the boundary issue at hand is the first step to help you prepare. Number two, you start feeling physical symptoms of anxiety. This is how you know a boundary might be about to be crossed. Maybe your heart starts racing when a certain topic arises or a certain person enters the room. Perhaps you even get a little dizzy, which makes it difficult to say what you actually wanted to say because your nervous system is in such high alert trying to protect you. You know, it takes between 10 to 20 minutes for stress hormones to be metabolized in the body. So if you find that this is the case, you can quietly excuse yourself for a few minutes and do some self-soothing so that you can re-enter the conversation in an emotionally regulated state. In fact, you'll be able to communicate your needs in a much calmer, clearer way if you set the initial boundary of space when getting emotionally triggered. Number three, you feel like you're going in circles in this relationship. Healthy relationships evolve and they move forward even though it's not always linear. Toxic relationships, however, the relationships that aren't boundaried, they feel like a record on repeat. Same issue, different year on the calendar. And this is when a boundary of how much time you spend with this person may need to be considered. 
So what do we do in the moment when a boundary is being crossed? Well, like I spoke about before, you do want to consider your physiological responses before acting. If your heart is racing so fast you can't think, you won't be communicating at your best anyway. So take a moment and excuse yourself to get back to baseline. If you can't leave, hello, Thanksgiving dinner table or something like that, you can set a verbal boundary like, "Mm, I'll have to think about that. I'll let you know if I come up with anything. Boundaries are all about owning your sense of agency or power, meaning when you have boundaries, you don't have to be perpetually on the hot seat. You can state something like, thanks for asking. I don't feel comfortable discussing that right now, but I'll give it some thought and I'll come back to you if I feel like there's anything I need to add. You know, some people, they're very uncomfortable with this kind of directness and they will push back on your boundary. If that happens, you can try a technique we teach in therapy called the broken record technique. And it is exactly what it sounds like. In so many words, you repeat what you said, maybe in a different way, but you repeat the content each time you receive a response that is trying to push you further than you'd like to go. Or you could say the same thing with different wording. The point is, you are operating like a broken record without feeling the need to over-explain. If you feel the constant prodding against your boundary is emotionally dysregulating, at that point, it's safe to say that getting up from the table will be your best bet to preserve both your dignity and the family's dinner experience. It may not seem fair that you have to be the bigger person, but the more times you practice this, the more that family member will get the hint that you don't tolerate that kind of behavior. Another thing you can do in the moment when you're setting a boundary is use phrases that are neutral but clear. So my favorite is the word helpful. I don't often set a boundary by stating something is good or bad or mean or rude because those are subjective and judgmental phrases. But I do often say something along the lines of, I'm not so certain that is helpful right now. It sets a boundary without placing a judgment on anyone. It's just not a helpful topic or conversation or a helpful discussion. Another thing you can do when setting a boundary is check in with yourself after the boundary has been set. How do you feel? Do you feel empowered? Resentful? A little shaky? Just like an athlete will watch their games after the fact to see what they liked and what they needed to improve on and adjust accordingly, you can do the same when you're learning a new skill. Did you love how you told that person not right now, but maybe wished you said no instead? These are things that will help you tailor your boundaried responses in the future. So let's break it down even more. What's a typical template for setting a boundary? I like to use Rosenberg's template from his book, Nonviolent Communication. Here's how it sounds. Six words, three phrases. You say, when you, I feel, and I need. So this could look something like this. When you repeatedly make comments about my weight, I feel uncomfortable. I need to know we won't be discussing this until I tell you I'm open to it. Here's another example. When you are late to every family gathering, I feel like my time isn't valued. I need to hear from you if you're running behind. And a last example, when you 
publicly praise one child over the other, I feel concern that my kids are getting left out. I need you to make an effort to highlight the good across the board. Now, here's the deal with setting boundaries. You will get pushback. You will have people respond, oh, I didn't mean it that way, or attempt to gaslight you by saying, oh, you're just too sensitive. But the good news is that you are not tethered to their perception of you. All you're doing is stating what you notice and what you experience and what you need. And you can tell them that as well. So here's the last piece and probably what many of you have been waiting for. What do we do when someone repeatedly disregards the boundaries we set? Since boundaries are 100% about what we do and not what we are trying to get someone else to do, this is important because people will invariably push up against your boundaries. Especially if you've struggled with boundaries in the past, people have developed a pattern of relating to you that has served their needs while discounting yours. And that's not easy to break. So keeping that in mind when you begin to set boundaries can be helpful. It can even be helpful to acknowledge that when you set boundaries, saying something like, I know this is different. I know I'm usually the one to pick up the pieces or try and keep the peace, but I'm learning that that isn't healthy for me and I'm trying something new. And I ask for some grace in this process because it's new to me as well. But I'm committed to it. Now, when verbal boundaries aren't honored, it's important to remember that boundaries can be set in many different arenas, not just what you say. I like to label them in stages. We'll start with verbal, then move to time sensitive, then spatial, and finally, relational boundaries. So if someone doesn't honor your verbal boundaries, when you communicate it to them with words, you may want to move to the next level and limit the amount of time you spend with them, time sensitive. If they continue to dishonor your boundaries in the time you do spend with them, the next boundary level is spatial, meaning you might only meet with them in certain places. Maybe this means meeting in public if they tend to be degrading to you in private, or meeting with a spouse or friend in tow if they tend to say hurtful things when you're one-on-one. The final level of boundary responsiveness is to temporarily suspend the relationship. Now, I think we all hope that we don't arrive at this place because most people in our lives are there because we truly desire relationship with them or we feel like it can be mutually beneficial. Sometimes we do have to set some relational space, though, until both parties can accept the relationship for what it is two unique people who both have needs and can express them freely and accordingly. So that is my prayer for you today on Thanksgiving, that you'll enter into every encounter with family and friends, honoring your own needs while still being respectful of theirs, believing that not only do they matter, but you matter too. Thanksgiving is a time set aside for gratitude, and I can't express enough how grateful Chuck and I are to be with you each and every week. We truly believe that integrating faith and psychology is a worthy pursuit, and we are so excited to walk alongside you as you explore what that means for your life. So thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next week on another episode of the Positive Talk podcast, Integrating Faith in Psychology. Happy Thanksgiving and go in peace. 